You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're glad you're here this morning, book of Joshua chapter 24. Preacher, thank you for the privilege of being here. We always enjoy coming by this way. We love your preacher. We love his wife. Uh, I, I thought about calling her sister preacher, but um, love, love your preacher, love his wife. We've known both their families for years, and, and, uh, and all I'm telling you, God's blessed you with a good one. And I, I, I know you know that, but it uh, just uh, doesn't, doesn't hurt to hear it again. And I trust you'll love them, you'll stand with them, and uh, pray for them, be there with them, labor together uh, as he leads. You know, God, God brings a, a man in, he gives him a vision. I always say the pastor is responsible for the vision and then the people are responsible for the provision. If God puts a vision on his heart, the people then labor together and fulfill whatever it was that God would place on his heart. Excited to see what God is doing here and we're always blessed to be with your pastor and his family. I can't believe he's got two of them in a youth group now. Good night. That makes me feel old. You know, I guess I am. It's a good way, good reason to feel that way. But we're glad you're here. Good to have my wife with me and, of course, my in-laws. My mother-in-law is 90 years old. I know she looks older. And uh, she's really not 90 either. You say, that's terrible. She won't remember this tomorrow. Life is good. Every morning it's just a new day. It's just wonderful, you know. And uh, I, I'm, she, my wife is their only daughter, so I'm her favorite son-in-law. And just, uh, so anyway, but it's a joy to have them with us as well, be able to, to travel with us a little bit, and a joy to have them as well. Got to pastor them for about 12 years, and they were, I tell you, they were a blessing, and, uh, and we appreciate them. Joshua chapter 24, we're going to read in verse number 1. When you find it, if you're able to stand with us this morning, if you're not able to stand, that's fine. You can remain seated. But if you want to stand and stretch a little bit before the four-hour message, um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Joshua chapter 24 and beginning in verse number, number 1. I always say if you don't know much, it doesn't take you long to say it, so we won't be here long. But I've heard some people that didn't know much. and it seemed, and Anyway, Joshua chapter 24, verse number 1. Joshua's an old man. He's gathered together all the heads of Israel. Matter of fact, this is the last recorded event in the life of Joshua. He'll die just a few verses after our reading at the age of 110. I think he knows his life has come to an end. So he gathers together all the leaders of Israel. Almost picture it like a, a father or a grandfather on his deathbed, knowing he's going to die, and he calls his family together. And he tries to give them things that will help them and encourage them to keep doing right, knowing he's not going to be there to lead them along the way. So I kind of picture that this way. Begin verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his, and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and it came into the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them. And 
and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelled in the wilderness a long season. And I brought to the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came into Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I've given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not do you eat. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege we have to be in your house this morning. Dear God, we mean that from the depth of our soul. What a, what a joy, what an honor to be gathered in your house with your people. Father, we thank you for this place. Thank you for the dear man of God, his precious wife and family you've sent that way. Thank you for the staff that you've brought in as well. Help them as they labor together. And thank you for the people that you've given to them. And God, help them. I pray you continue to bless this church. And Father, I pray in the day that we're allowed to be here, you'd help us to be a help to this ministry. Help us not say anything that ought not be said. And dear God, I pray you bring things to mind that would meet needs we didn't even know existed. Meet with us this morning. And God, I pray this morning be a life-changing morning for somebody. We'll certainly give you the praise for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. <coughs> Josh was mentioned as an old man at this point. This is the last recorded act in the word of God of Joshua. A few verses after what we've read, we'll find that Joshua dies at the age of 110. He gathers together all the leaders in the, of the tribes of Israel. And he begins to remind them of the goodness of God. He talks about how he brought Abraham out from the, what he called the other side of the flood when they served other gods and how he brought Abram out of there and Abram got to know God. By the way, I remember the day that God brought me out and I got to know God. What a great day that was in my life. And he said, then begin to lead you and guide you. And he begins to remind them of all the wonderful things that God has done for them. Matter of fact, we could probably go around the room tonight and if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, we go around the room this morning and probably we could spend all day just giving testimony of all the good things that God has done for us. Times we thought there was no way and he made a way where he opened the Red Sea and we thought it was all, all over and yet God made a way. And how faithful God has been to us and he is a faithful God, he is a good God. And it reminds them of all the good things that God has done for them. And then in verse number 14, he says, Now therefore, because of this, because God has been so faithful to you and God has been so good to you, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the strange gods which your father showed on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He said, God's been a good God to you. And because God's been a good God to you, don't you think you ought to serve him? 
He said, now therefore, serve him. And he said, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Two things he says here we ought to do. We ought to be sincere about what we do. This, we ought to be serious about what we do. We ought to be sincere about what we do. We ought to be real about our walk with Christ. God's blessed my wife and I with six children and <clears throat> just a little testimony. I wasn't brought up in church, didn't know the Bible growing up. My wife was a third generation Mormon. Her parents were Mormon. Her grandparents were Mormon and her grandmother got cancer and my wife had a cousin that rode a, a, a bus to a Baptist church and, and told the, youth, the children's pastor about it. He told the pastor. The pastor began to follow up on my wife's grandmother, my mother-in-law's mother and ended up winning her to Christ. Everybody noticed a big change in her. She wasn't afraid of dying anymore. And of course, he ended up doing the funeral and the family showed up at church the next Sunday out of respect. He got some cards filed up on them. One my mother-in-law, my father-in-law to the Lord. And my wife and I were having marital problems. We kind of split ways. I was in Oklahoma. She went back to Illinois and She'd made a profession, was getting baptized, invited me to watch her get baptized. And I drove from Muskogee, Oklahoma to Danvers, Illinois to watch my wife get baptized on that day. Just showed up at a baptismal service like some family has done here and uh, watched my wife get baptized. And as a matter of fact, on the way there, I even spent the night in, in jail in Missouri on the way there. That's where I first met your dad. And um, I didn't tell you which one of two I pointed to. I'm just saying that's just right. Either one of them, anyway. anyway uh, but uh, I walked in the church. It was obvious I was not a church goer. I didn't look like one. I didn't smell like one. Uh, but the thing I remember is they made me feel so welcome. That impressed me so much. They weren't staring at me like, what's this guy doing here? They made me feel so welcome. And then the preacher got up to preach and I didn't feel so comfortable anymore. I felt welcome, but not comfortable. But he began to talk about Jesus down on the cross of Calvary and how he paid our sin debt. There's no other way to get to heaven but through the blood of Jesus. And if there's any way to get to heaven on your own, Jesus would have never had to die on Calvary. But there was no other way. And man, the more he preached, the more I realized this is what I'm missing in my life. This is what I'm needing. And I, I really don't remember, preacher, how I got to the altar. I just knew I had to get there. And I don't know if I climbed over pews. I don't know if I pushed people out of the way. I don't know if I walked. I don't know if I ran. I just knew I needed to be there. And I fell down an altar and asked the Lord to save me, and he did. Man, you talk about a burden lifted. I felt so good, I kissed my mother-in-law. <clears throat> That's not normal. Anyway, <clears throat> then she gave me my, my first portion of Scripture, a little New Testament, and we, my wife and I began to realize that you know God wanted our marriage together, began to ask God to help us. Man, I come to the altar, it seemed like every service, God help me. I don't know how to be a husband, I don't know how to be a daddy. I've made a mess of things and please work in my heart and help me. I, I didn't grow up in a, in a very uh, affectionate family. We weren't mistreated. We just, you never heard the words, I love you. There were no hugs. Headlock once in a while, yes, no, no hugs. And you know, I could do one of two things. I could either say to my wife, look, that's not me. It's not the way I was raised. Or I could say, God changed me. Help me to be the husband my wife deserves to have and help me the godly father my children ought to have. God help me, work in me. And I begin to, God help me, work in me and, and uh, help change me. And, and uh, thank God begin to work along the way. And, and of course, we ended up with six children. And, and I always said, uh, I always said we got five wonderful children and that other one. And uh, they all argue over who the other one is, you know, type thing. And uh, I said one time, God bless us with six kids. And some lady rebuked me after church, says, they're not kids, they're children. Kids are goats. I said, have you met my kids? So anyway, 
God's blessed us and all three of our boys are preachers and we've got a son-in-law that prints Bibles in the Philippines. This church supports him, as a matter of fact. And, and uh, got a daughter and her husband over the, ch- the uh, bus ministry at the church where they are at and she teaches Sunday school. And God's blessed us with our, our family serving the Lord and, and, uh, and such. Because of that, we get asked to speak at you know, uh, family deals and, and, and sweetheart banquets and, and all. And they'll ask, you know, what's the key? How do you, how do you go about this? And of course, my response is always, it's, it's, it's the grace of God because, you know, being a first-generation Christian, honestly, I, I might make some adjustments. There might be some things I, I, do, I do a little different now than what I did when they were growing up. But my wife one time made the statement. She said, well, if there's anything we could say, we were real. Amen. I mean, the Bible was real to us. Amen. God was real to us. Amen. Salvation was real to us. Amen. Church was real to us. Amen. Prayer was real to us. We weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but my wife said one thing probably, probably that really had an impact on the children was the fact that we were real. Amen. And he's saying here to serve him in sincerity. We all be real about what we do. This is not just something we do. This is who we are. Amen. He said serve in sincerity and the truth. And I don't want to be real in what I do. I want to be right in what I do. Now, I want to make sure that what I do lines up with what God wants. I can have my own ideas, my own thoughts, but the bottom line, what does God want? That's, that's the bottom line. I had somebody say a while back, I'm just too old to change. I'm thinking, not me. If you can show me from the word of God, man, I want to line up with it because I want to be real about what I do, but I also want to be right about what I do. I want to stand before him one day and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't study to show others disapproved. I want to study to show myself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. And if you'll study with that mindset, God will help you to rightly divide the word of God. Sure. So he said, serve with sincerity and truth. And put away the strange gods which are among you and the gods which serve in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then he makes this famous speech. If that seem evil unto you, serve the Lord. Choose a day whom you will serve. And then he goes, don't say, ask for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's probably one of the most familiar verses in the word of God. Probably more scripture plaques. John three sixteen might come close, I, I don't know. But probably more scripture plaques on this verse than probably any other verse in the Bible. Like how many have somewhere in your home a portion of this? Either choose you this day or as for me and my house. See several around them have, have a portion of this within in your home. It's usually right next to Malachi chapter 3 where it says bring you all the tithes. Okay, maybe that plaque's not on the wall. <clears throat> but it is just as much Bible. But you see, choose you this day or as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and Joshua, he, he's instructing them to choose this day whom he will serve. And I think really those, those one of the most Familiar verses in the Word of God. I think we've missed Joshua's real meaning in this text. Joshua's not just now come to the point that he chooses to serve the Lord for he and his family. He's 110 years old. He's about to die. Joshua's been making this choice for a long time. Joshua's not saying make a choice on this day. Joshua's saying make a choice for this day. Who are you going to serve today? Choose you this day whom you will serve. And Joshua made that choice, I believe, every day. From a young man, you see his, his heart after God. and From a young man, I think it's a choice. Joshua just got up every morning and said, I choose this day to serve the Lord. And now he's gathering them all together and he said, now, here's the whole key to this thing. 
It's just a matter of choosing each day to serve him. There's oftentimes we make choices in our life. No doubt every one of you, you've heard a message on, on the Bible, and, and we, we, we say, you know, it's, it, it's sad, the average Christian has never read through the Bible. And it really doesn't tell, it's not really that much reading. I, I time myself one time, you, you read one page and multiply by how many pages, it takes me 52 hours and 15 minutes to read the entire Bible. An hour a week. 10 minutes a day. Yet the average Christian, that, that gets it just through in a year, but the average Christian has not read it in their entire lifetime. My wife, she still writes me notes. and but We were dating. She, she writes me a little note that says, Dear Honey Bunny, I love you. I love you because you're so good looking. Do you see it? I love you because you're so strong. I love you because you're so witty and charming and manly. I loved her because she was a good judge of character. <laughs> then she'd sign, she'd sign it, you're sugar booger. I, I worked from the time I was 13 in a, in, a, in a little local grocery store, cut meat within there. The, uh, the man taught me how to uh, cut meat. And, she, she brought that note I put in my pocket. Every so often, preach, I just have to get out and read it, you know. Dear honey bunny, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and I'd memorize that thing, put it back in my pocket. And I'd get to work after a little while, I'd pull that thing out again. My mind get to wandering about her and pull it out. I have to read it again. And there's a time I'm cutting chicken wings and got the chicken down there and got down there. My mind's wandering about this note and my thumb is sticking out there and it kind of looked like a chicken wing. And I rubbed a knife across it and realized right away, that's not a chicken wing right there. So I had to stop and go back, pull that letter out again and read it. Could, could you imagine? No, wait a minute. Could you imagine my wife showed up the next day and said, did you ever read that letter I gave you? And if I was to say, well, I just hadn't had time. But I love you. And the sad thing is the average child of God is not dead. But there's been a message you've heard on, on, on the Word of God and no doubt you've come to an altar and said, God, I, I wanna, I, I'm choosing, I'm making a choice. I, I want to spend time in the Word of God and, and you made it on that day. But you made a choice on one day. But looking at your life now, you never know that choice was made. It's not just making a choice on a day, it's making a choice for a day. To get up this morning and say, I choose to read my Bible today. Amen. I choose to read my Bible today. I choose to read my Bible today. Somebody said, well, you, you know, backsliding doesn't happen overnight. It's just one day of not choosing to walk with him. Somebody said, well, you're Baptist. You Baptists believe in backsliders. We not only believe in it, we practice it. You know, we... <laughs> but Josh was not just trying to get them to make a choice on this day, but he said, choose you this day. What are you going to do with this day? Yeah, come on. I mean, in the morning, we're given a 24-hour period. What are you going to do with that day? Joshua, choose to this day whom you will serve. And then he said, if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord. That's a strange statement, isn't it? The word evil means, okay, this doesn't seem appealing to you. It doesn't seem like a pleasant thing to spend your life serving the Lord. You'd rather do other things with your life. And it's really just not something you want to do. You just really don't want to be committed to serving him. These mega churches are booming off, off of people brought up in our independent Baptist churches that just don't want to be committed. They're not going to turn their back on God and not go to church. They just don't want to be committed. Sad thing is the next generation is going to be a step even further down.
It would seem evil unto you. The word evil is where we get our word inconvenient. If it's inconvenient for you to serve the Lord, if it interferes with your plans, God did not come to help you in your plans. God came to use you in his. But too often God is treated, here's what I'm gonna do in my life. Now, God, you help me, you bless me. We want God to help us in our plans instead of here's everything I want in life. Here's my plans, my goals. Dear God, I'll trade this for whatever you have for me. He didn't come to help you in your plans. He didn't come to help me in my plans. He came to use us in his plans. But if serving him seems inconvenient. It's where we get our word unreasonable. If you think God is asking too much. That really gets me when you think of him dying on Calvary. Yes. That I could ever think he could ask too much of me in return. But he said, if you think if it's inconvenient to serve him, if you think it's unreasonable, and he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. What are you going to do with the day? And really he gives three options here. What are you going to do? When the sun comes up in the morning, what are you going to do with that 24-hour period that God gives you? He gives three options. He said, if it seem evil, verse 15, seem evil unto you, serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. He goes back to Abraham in the beginning of the verses on the other side of the flood. That's before Abraham knew God and God called him out from the other side of the flood. He said, what are you going to do? Are you just going to live like a lost person? You're just going to spend tomorrow the same way every person that doesn't know God spends it. Are you going to get up in the morning and never even think about God, never open a Bible, never have time in prayer, just go through the chores of life and trying to make a living and getting by? Are you just going to do what everyone else out there does? Are you, are you just going to live like the, the average lost person? I mean, I mean, if you think God is asking too much, what are you going to do with your day? You're just going to live like a lost person? He gives a second choice. If it seem evil unto you serve the Lord, choose to stay him you will serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. They went in to conquer that land, and God told them not to intermarry with those that were there because it would, it would steal their heart away from God. And, and this is the picture of a half-hearted Christian. They're in the land that God would have. They're going to the temple that God would have. But, but also, they know how to act when they're in the house of God, but they also know how to fit in when they're outside the house of God. We got too many half-hearted Christians. I mean, is that what you're going to do? You may get up and go through your devotions and check off the list of things you're supposed to do and then just carry out the day like everyone else does. I mean, is that what, you, is that what you're going to do? Joshua said you can, I mean, what are you going to do with the day tomorrow? Are you going to just live like the lost people live, never think of God? Are you going to be a half-hearted Christian? Joshua said you can do that if you want to, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The people answered, verse 16, the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. 
For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. They responded in a right way. Matter of fact, when I said, what are you going to do? You're going to live like a lost person? You're going to be a half-hearted Christian? I mean, you think about everything. All the good that God's done for you, are you going to serve the Lord? Every person in this building would say, God's been good, you're right, and I ought to serve him. And they responded that way. No, 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 he's our God, we'll, we'll, we'll serve him. Look how Joshua responds, verse, verse 18, or verse number 19. And Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, and it will turn into your hurt and consume you after they've done you good. Josh's response is, no, 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 no. You don't understand. God's not looking for just lip service. He's not looking for people just to give the right answer. He's not looking for people to come to an altar and say, I'm going to live for God, and then nothing change. He's looking for somebody that will be serious and sincere about serving him. He was pretty serious about what he did for us. Amen. I remember when I first surrendered to preach and my dad took me out for breakfast. And we're sitting in the parking lot afterwards and here's what he said to me. He said, son, you're getting kind of carried away with this thing, aren't you? I just started crying. I said, well, dad, he kind of got carried away from me. Now, later on in life, my dad, man, we'd talk about people getting saved and he'd weep and he'd rejoice. God's looking for somebody that'll be serious about serving him. Verse 21, the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Here's the thing. Okay, we're going to be serious about this. And then Joshua lays down five things that are needed if you choose to serve the Lord. I mean, if tomorrow morning you get up and say, I choose this day to serve five things that are needed if you choose to serve him. Amen. It's not just making a choice at one point in your life. If you don't make the choice every day, right. I choose this day. Yeah. Did you choose this day to serve the Lord? Verse 22, Joshua said to people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. They said, we are witnesses. Number one, it ought to be a day of purpose. Amen. We purpose in our heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. And then everything Daniel did after that was on purpose because of what he purposed. So we start the day off. First thing, look to heaven, dear God, I choose this day to serve you. I am purposing to serve you. And everything I do after that ought to be on purpose because I purpose to serve him. Verse 23, now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. Number two, it ought to be a day of purity. Amen. There's some things I cannot do today because I've chose this day to serve him. There's some places I can't go on the internet today because I chose this day to serve him. Amen. There's some music I can't listen to today because I chose this day to serve him. There's some places I can't go today because I chose this day to serve him. I can't have wrong thoughts toward another woman today because I chose this day to serve him. I can't even be unkind to my wife today. Now, mother-in-law is another story. And um, I'm kidding, kind of. 
Oh, she dishes it out. Don't you feel sorry for her after church? <laughs> God's blessed me with good and also love them. But I can't be unkind. But, you know, the Bible said, husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. That word bitter is where we get our word sharp, short. If there's anybody I ought to be kind to, it ought to be my wife. That young lady chose to spend her life with me. One life to live and chose to spend it with me. If we ever get old, who laughed? <laughs> at the end of our life, I want her to be able to look at me and say, that was a good choice. Yeah. Now, I can't be unkind today because I chose this day to serve him. It ought to be a day of purity. Verse 23. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. It ought to be a day of pursuing to incline your heart. We got those big overstuffed chairs with a lever. Seat goes out. Back goes, you know those things? Room for a grandchild on each side. Never room for children. But grandchildren fit right in there. <laughs> Called a recliner. We recline. He said to incline. Incline means to lean forward. Yeah. He inclines. The Bible said God inclines his ear to our prayers. I, I, this blows my mind. We start praying and God leans forward to listen. Wow. What a God. But he said, incline your heart to the Lord God. It ought to be a day of pursuing. It ought to be a day of, of, of chasing God. It ought to be a day of drawing my heart closer to him. My wife and I have been married 47 years now. And, and I didn't want to just endure my marriage. You know, some people say, I don't want to draw this generation. We stuck it out. Like you want some kind of medal for winning a battle or something, you know. <laughs> I don't want to just, I don't want to be stuck with her. I don't want to be stuck on her, you know. But I'm rejoicing with the wife of my youth. And every day I want my heart to be drawn closer to her. You know, the same with God. I chose this day to serve him. That means I've got to be pursuing him. That means I do have time for Bible reading today because I chose this day to serve him. It means I do have time for prayer today because I chose this day to serve him. It's a matter of priorities. I just chose this day to serve him. I want my heart to be drawn closer to him. Then look at you would, verse number 24. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, will we serve? His voice will we obey? I'll be a day of performing. A day of obeying whatever it is God speaks to you about. Amen. Wouldn't it be good if God's people just always obeyed? Amen. I think that's what he saw with the hen wanting to gather the chicks under his wing. He said, see, see how the hen calls and they all come running? And God said, I wish we had that. Amen. Ought to be a day of performing. There ought to be a day of preparation. Verse 25, Joshua made a covenant with people that day, set a statute and ordinance. A covenant means they bound together. They made a commitment. They bound together, made a statute, which means a set time at doing something. And ordinance means instructions on how to do it. They set up a monument. And Joshua, this is going to be reminded you that when you get up in the morning, that this ought to be a choice you make. I choose this day to serve the Lord. And when you get up and see it the next day, it ought to be a choice you make. I choose this day to serve the Lord. You know, this Christian life is really not a difficult thing. It's just choosing to serve him today. And then the next day, just choosing to serve him again. And the next day, just choosing to serve again. And before you know it, years have rolled by. How in the world do you serve the Lord for that long? One day at a time. Amen. I just, just choose this day to serve him. Look, look what the Bible says down in verse number 29. You'll find Joshua died and uh, uh, verse number 29. And it came to pass after these saints that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath here, which is in Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gaz. And Israel served the Lord all the days, each and every day of Joshua. Wow. 
And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. It really is not a tough thing. So I just don't know if I can do this. Just do it today. It'll be a day of preparation. When you get to the end of the day, say, God, this sure was a good day today. I've sure enjoyed walking with you. Help me to make this choice again tomorrow. I say often to young people, life's not made up of the dreams you dream. It's made up of the choices you make. And you're free to make choices, but you don't get to pick the consequences. So make the choices that have the best consequences. I tell you, a choice that has the best consequences. When the sun comes up in the morning, first thing is you get out of bed, dear God, I choose this day to serve you. And if you mess up throughout the day, don't throw the rest of the day away. Just stop and say, dear God, I shouldn't have done that. I chose this day to serve you. That shouldn't have happened in my life. Please forgive me. Help me spend the rest of the day serving you. It's really not a tough thing. It's just choosing each day. Did you choose? You got that, you got that verse within your home? You, you ought to put it maybe in the mirror in your bathroom, somewhere where you see, did I choose this day to serve the Lord? I tell you, it'll, it'll, biggest help in my life. 24 hours away from blowing everything. All it takes is one day not to choose to serve him. A time when kings should have gone forth to battle, David tarried still at Jerusalem. A man who was after God's own heart. Just one day of not choosing to obey God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.